Hi listeners, John and I have tried multiple brands and forms of CBD over the last two years. I use it for inflammation and to help with what we call stressies here at Living in the Sprawl. And John uses it right before bed for better sleep quality. After our search, we have found one that works great for both of us. We are huge fans of Just CBD sugar-free gummies. They are great tasting and offer a variety of different flavors and strengths. If tinctures or topicals are more your speed, they have options for those as well. They have a great customer service team that I have personally worked with, are cost-effective compared to other brands out there, and offer free shipping on orders over $35. Just CBD Store is offering our listeners 20% off every order when you use the link in the show notes or on our website and the code SPRAWL. S-P-R-A-W-L. Check them out and let us know what you think. Hi listeners and fellow adventurers. This is Living in the Sprawl's lovely and talented fiancé slash producer, Lisa Lowe, here to tell you about every table. My days typically start at 4 a.m. to exercise, work a full day, cook, clean, and work on this podcast, all while trying to get to bed by 9 p.m. Like many of you, there aren't always enough hours in the day to do it all. So I do rely on food delivery that requires little to no prep, is healthy, cost-effective, and most importantly, delicious. Every Table is offering our listeners two free meals and free delivery when you use the code SPRAWL, S-P-R-A-W-L, on your first subscription order. I will put the link in the show notes and on our website at livinginthesprawlpodcast.com. And now, your humble correspondent and this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another installment of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. My name is John Steinberg, your humble correspondent and host. As always, sitting alongside my lovely and talented fiance slash producer, Miss Lisa Lowe. And we are very excited to bring to you yet another foray into the urban sprawl that this phenomenal region has to offer and yet another entry point because that's what the whole program has been designed around are different entry points for you guys to be able to feel like you have some kind of an entry point into Southern California. It can be an overly large, intimidating, grandiose place that makes people feel supremely alienated and unsure. And we want to alleviate both of those quandaries. With the California real estate market being where it is, showing no signs of an impending march toward the ultimate division between the haves and have-nots, We know that a lot of you are fleeing the state, as has been mentioned on other episodes. And so consider this particular installment for the occasions when maybe you journey back, you want to visit family, any number of reasons why you choose to visit the region. If you are as curious and adventurous as my producer and I happen to be. So without further ado, we give to you 10 hotels that 
while not necessarily haunted, are certainly notorious. And these are places where you have the ability to stay this weekend if you so choose. Okay, let's get it going. And number 10, the Lemon Tree Inn. This is in Santa Barbara. A night's stay in this little slice of heaven will run you upward of $325. Why do I call it Notorious? For those of you who might have seen the feature film Alpha Dog, you may remember the character portrayed by Anton Yelchin being kidnapped and taken to Palm Springs with a character portrayed by Justin Timberlake and a number of friends come to the property and a pool party is thrown where the Anton Yelchin character winds up getting awfully comfortable with a couple of female party guests. Now, Alpha Dog, the film, is, of course, based off the real-life murder of Nicholas Markowitz, whose life was taken on August 9th in the year of our Lord, 2000. And while the movie depicts the events as having taken place just outside of Palm Springs, Palm Desert... Oh, and for those of you who've seen the movie, they make mention of the primary character as being the preeminent drug dealer in the San Gabriel Valley. This seems to me to be a bit of unnecessary revisionist history on behalf of the producers of the film, as anyone familiar with the region would tell you that Emile Hirsch character is not a San Gabriel Valley type of gentleman. That is a San Fernando gentleman through and through. In any event, the actual hotel where Nicholas Markowitz was taken, IRL, is none other than the Lemon Tree Inn. This is in Santa Barbara. I've had the privilege of seeing the property in person. A rather unsuspecting, if somewhat cute, location kind of on the edge of the downtown region. I was somewhat surprised to see that the place was still in existence. Of course, the crime for which the place has become notorious, that took place two decades ago, and remnants from that infamous incident seem to be long gone. And if they're charging $325 to stay at the Lemon Tree Inn, anytime you're dealing with a place and you're hearing the word inn, that's usually not a wonderful sign. So if you're hearing inn and you see the price tag and it's $325, I would take that as a seal of approval. So in real life, Nicholas Markowitz was taken to the Lemon Tree Inn and then picked up by associates of Jesse James Hollywood, taken out to the Santa Inez Mountains and killed. Didn't happen in the desert and not at the behest of the primary drug dealer holding court in the San Gabriel Valley. If you want to feel like you are interacting with a piece of notorious Southern California history, reserve yourself a slot for a night's stay at the Lemon Tree Inn located in Santa Barbara. Number nine, the Mondrian. This being West Hollywood, Sunset Strip, 
seen on multiple episodes of the, I'm going to use the word infamous, HBO program Entourage. I've had the privilege of staying at this hotel. And if you would like to stay there as well, you can do so for the relatively modest price of 320 American dollars. Now, why is this place notorious and included on this here list of infamous establishments? Well, 2007, a rapper by the name of Pimp C, most widely known as one half of the group UGK, Underground Kings, died of an overdose at the age of 34 in a suite on the property. When I first read about this, I did not immediately recognize the name Pimp C or Underground Kings for that matter. When I did a bit more reading and found out they were the guest collaborators on Jay-Z's Big Pimpin', it kind of all came together and I instantly went, oh, that's who Jay-Z was talking about when he says, it's just that Pimp C and B-U-N-B. In any event, Pimp C passed away after consuming an unhealthy amount of purple drink. This was combined with his pre-existing sleep apnea and unfortunately took the young man's life. Uh, his real name was Chad Butler from Port Arthur, Texas. Ironically, where another person who we will be discussing later on in the episode was also from. But the Mondrian, there's a reason that I started with, you've seen this hotel on Entourage. It is that type of place. It's probably most famous for being the location of a Los Angeles quote-unquote hotspot called Sky Bar, which can you script that name in any more of a stereotypical manner? It sounds like it's been airlifted from the Las Vegas Strip and placed into West Hollywood. But the Sky Bar is one of those seen-to-be-seen places where the lines are extremely long, the drinks are obnoxiously overpriced, and the music is headache-inducing, which is all to say they are designed for people under the age of 25. The Mondrian is... Also known in pop culture, a rapper named Andre Legacy has a song called Mondrian. He actually performed at a concert that my college fraternity put on roughly 10 years ago. So I got to see the song Mondrian performed by Andre Legacy in person. But this notorious place of lodging has... So many different entry points, exits, seemingly hidden doors, and places that are designed to provide celebrities with an easily available route to enter and exit into the property. I have a feeling there are a plethora of skeletons, maybe literal and figurative, buried within the property and its lore. It just really seems like that type of place to be perfectly candid with you. I got that vibe from staying there for an evening. So it was no surprise to hear about Pimp C's passing on the property. He, this happened in December of 2007, and he had been in town to do some recording with Too Short and 
He was found unresponsive in his hotel room after his wife and son who were waiting for him in Texas at the airport called because he didn't arrive as expected. Tragic, sad, taken from us way too soon. But if you are kind of like us, morbidly curious, or just want to go to the Sky Bar without having to wait in that extravagant line, go to Expedia and get yourself a room at West Hollywood's Mondrian Hotel. Number eight, and I guess I could be blamed for expanding the purview of our podcast by focusing on a place that is pretty far away from anything that we've covered as of yet. But nevertheless, number eight is the Cedar Lodge, which is located in El Portal slash Yosemite. It was at the Cedar Lodge in 1999 that a gentleman by the name of Kerry Stainer who was an employee at the lodge, took the lives of three guests there to visit the national park. He then went on to kill again. So if you would like to stay where a bona fide serial killer once plied his trade, worked at, and committed some awful crimes, you can do so at the Cedar Lodge. And it's only going to set you back 180 US dollars, which seems like it's a bit too much, to be honest. I would maybe take the number one out of that equation, and then we would have a situation worth breaking down on our hands. For those of you unfamiliar, Kerry Stainer is, because he's still alive, the younger brother of Stephen Stainer, who was kidnapped as a child and held by a despicable human being for a number of years before escaping. His story was chronicled in a variety of publications. There have been podcasts around it, made-for-TV movies, and the inevitable non-fiction retelling of what happened. Now, Stephen Stainer wound up passing away in a motorcycle accident But his younger brother, Carrie, went on to become a serial killer. And he did so while working at the Cedar Lodge. Now, Yosemite, one of California's most picturesque locations. Side note, but for those of you who have never seen the work of Ken Burns, I highly implore you, check out his multi-part documentary series on the National Parks. If you think that subject is maybe only worth an hour and a half instead of 15, then check out that first episode, which largely chronicles John Muir and his fascination with all things Sierra Nevada and California, most notably Yosemite. John Muir, I'm sure, never imagined that such a beautiful location would serve as the backdrop for a genuine serial killer, but that is the comedy of the human experience. And if you're interested, you could stay at the Cedar Lodge in a room where Carrie Stainer once probably made the sheets for the grand sum of $180. Number seven, the Peninsula Beverly Hills. This notorious 
hotel will set you back $800 if you are interested in staying the night during a lovely fall weekend. This was the setting for a number of the Southern California-based crimes of disgraced former movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. If you've had occasion to hear Ashley Judd's account of what happened, she went to the hotel under the auspices of having to meet with the head of Miramax. She gets to the lobby, is told that she needs to go up to the head of the studio's room where he, I won't finish the sentence, but tries in in that case to do some awful things of which he is now probably going to be behind bars the rest of his life over. So these crimes happened at the peninsula. I had the opportunity to enjoy, now I use the word enjoy in air quotes, lunch at the restaurant inside of it is called the Belvedere. The type of establishment where you'll get the bill and you'll look at it and you'll immediately think to yourself, wow. And then your first reaction will be to laugh because it's just so outrageous. Avocado toast, I should have known a bit better. So this is Santa Monica and Wilshire right in the heart of Beverly Hills which is probably too kind because it does suggest that Beverly Hills possesses a heart in the first place. It is everything that you would think of when mulling over, wow, what is a luxury in hotel at Beverly Hills like? What's that like? It's probably a lot like the peninsula, very austere, a lot like a British museum without any of the irony. This playground for the rich and quote-unquote powerful has played host to a number of industry types, wealthy members of society from all corners of the galaxy and serves as a constant reminder of the parts of Los Angeles that those of us who reside here kind of wish did not exist, to be perfectly frank. And if you're interested in supporting such a business, as I mentioned, $800 will get you in the door and $50 plus will get you an avocado toast plus tap water. So if you want to stand where he who shall not be named once stood, apparently there's a great Hollywood Reporter article about about the peninsula's relationship with Harvey Weinstein and uh, and some of the things that happened there, where accounts of his behavior with some of the back-of-house restaurant staff was included, specifically his demand for sushi at an entirely unreasonable hour of the day. If you're interested, have a lot of fun at the peninsula Beverly Hills. I probably won't see you there ever. At number six, I'm going to spell it for you, and we'll see how you think it's pronounced. So the spelling of the hotel in question is L apostrophe A-U-B-E-R-G-E. La Abrage? La Auberge? 
I actually listened to a podcast detailing the incident that I'm going to break down here in a second. And it didn't seem like the host of that particular show really knew how to pronounce the name either. In any event, the name that I just butchered, but I did spell out, is located in Del Mar, pretty close to the horse racing grounds as well as the Pacific Ocean with lovely views of said ocean. And if you're interested in staying at the resort, because it is a resort, with the included resort fee as per typical protocol, you are looking at a grand sum of over $1,000 for a glorious night. So perhaps it's you just have a lot of money and there's really no other reason, I'd imagine, to to spend that kind of deal for one night at establishment. In any event, though, in 2009, Ryan Jenkins, who was a contestant on the VH1 reality show, Megan Wants to Marry a Millionaire, stayed at the resort with his wife, Jasmine Fiore. And the show, Megan Wants to Marry a Millionaire, never actually aired on VH1 because of what happened at the hotel. He did kill his Wife, as it turns out, blood was found on the balcony and on the balcony of the room adjacent to the one in which the couple had been staying. This is kind of its own saga. So if you are interested, I've already given you the names. But yes, a murder did happen. And though surveillance videos never actually captured any of the crime, it has been proven that at least some aspect of the murder did occur. Here at the hotel, Ryan Jenkins went on to take his own life in Vancouver. And yeah, this this story has been covered in a lot of different places, uh, different podcasting formats. And it seems to me to be something that approximately 2%, if that, of the guests at this hotel that I can't pronounce the name of would actually be familiar with. It's nowhere near as indelible in the public consciousness as a couple of the other places that we've already mentioned and will mention later on in this episode. But... What can I say? San Diego doesn't breed that certain type of insane crime that we so often see in the Los Angeles area for whatever reason. I don't know if you want to blame the entertainment industry or the utterly transient nature of the nation's second biggest city, but people aren't getting butchered in hotel rooms in San Diego like they have been in other parts of the area in particular, Los Angeles County. But if you are morbidly fascinated by this particular case, you have the ability to stay the night at the luxurious L apostrophe A-U-B-E-R-G-E resort hotel and spa in sunny Del Mar, California. Number five. In a bit of a departure from the other places we've already discussed so far on the list, it's a Motel 6 in Buena Park on Beach Boulevard. And if you're so inclined, you have the option of staying the night at said property for the sum of 75 
United States dollars. It was not always a Motel 6. In 1983, it was actually a travel lodge. And it was during 1983 that a man named Charles Rothenberg stayed at the property with his six-year-old son, David. Angry over custody agreements with his ex-wife, who was far away in New York and looking at the prospect of a deeply uncertain financial and personal future. Rothenberg, this is hard to even say out loud, so I'll just say it quickly. He set his son on fire inside of room 139 and fled the scene. Now, luckily, the six-year-old boy, David, did survive. He did suffer burns on over 90% of his body, but he did survive and he did go on to have what sounds like a interesting and uh, fulfilling life as an artist in Las Vegas. Michael Jackson befriended David when he was very young. There's actually a video that you can find on YouTube after Michael Jackson passed. Larry King had David on his show to talk about his interactions with the King of Pop. And so he was able to go on and lead an impactful and uh, fulfilling life. Unfortunately, he did pass away a couple years ago in 2018 from pneumonia. Now, there are no jokes to be made on this one. I've stayed at a Motel 6 exactly one time in my life. I will say the light was definitely in the off position when I entered my room. And the price tag began with a 1 with 2 additional digits after it, which I was surprised by. But I, okay, I can't believe that this place is still around. You would think that with an incident like that... In its past, this is the type of property that definitely would have been knocked down and turned into, I don't know, condominiums or a strip mall. Something else, something other than a motel. But 30 years on, and this is still a motel, albeit under a different name. So at number five on our list of the most notorious, though not necessarily haunted, hotels in Southern California... We have the Motel 6 on Beach Boulevard in Buena Park. At number four, the Highland Gardens in Hollywood. You can stay here for the sum of 180 American dollars, if you so desire. I actually had the privilege of staying in the exact room where on October 4th, 1970, America's greatest rock goddess, Janis Joplin, died of a drug overdose. It's room 105. You can specifically request to stay in that room. Frankly, it doesn't look like all that much has been done to the room since 1970. If you go online, go to Yelp and read a couple of reviews you will read some, yeah, uncomfortable things about the property. It's not as bad as what you read. And I'll tell you from staying inside the actual room, it was kind of a singular experience. In the dresser closet, there's been a makeshift memorial set up where 
past guests have written notes or scrawled messages. There's, it's kind of like an impromptu guest book, if you will. Uh, guest book slash community message board. People write Janice's if she actually had the capacity to read everything that they were jotting down. So people will tell the spirit of Janice Joplin how much uh, she has inspired them to, I'm not, well, I, I mean, I read some of them, but none of them were all that memorable, to be honest, just their mere existence. That part was memorable. And there are a couple of bottles of Southern Comfort, which was her drink of choice. I wouldn't advise consuming any of the liquid enclosed in the bottles of Southern Comfort. But in 1970, this place was known as the Landmark, and it was far more glamorous than the borderline flophouse that it is today. It is located right around the corner from Hollywood and Highland, the Magic Castle. You can see the Magic Castle from the property as well as Yamashiro. So if you're in town for one night and maybe you're going to the Hollywood Bowl or you want to eat some pretty mediocre Japanese food at a restaurant with amazing views, you can go to Yamashiro or you are just fascinated by the odd and macabre, you can stay in room 105 where Janis Joplin passed away. On October 4th, 1970, I did check and this year, I don't want to date the podcast, but I will say, because I think it happens every year, that people definitely seem to book that particular room pretty far in advance because as of this recording, we are pretty far from October 4th and the room was most certainly booked up for that weekend. So if you're like me, a big Janis Joplin fan, that movie needs to get made, by the way. If we're going to do Ray Charles movies and Johnny Cash movies, Nina Simone movies, please let us do a proper Janis Joplin film. But it was on that night in 1970. Janis was recording her, well, what was to become the iconic album Pearl in Hollywood at the time. She was actually hanging out with Bobby Womack. That night, she happened to run into her drug dealer at the property, and she got a hot one, as they say, a dose of heroin that uh, her system could not handle, and we lost her at the age of 27. So we do pour out a shot of Southern Comfort in memory of an artist that both the producer of this show and your humble correspondent and host both admire a great deal. So, here's to you, Janice. We miss you, and if you're like us, you can stay in room 105 at the Highland Gardens in Hollywood. And number three, the Beverly Hilton. Wow, can't we get out of Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, Hollywood? Well, the thing is, a lot of notorious incidents have happened in those particular areas. So this episode is a little bit more centrally focused than usual. So the Beverly Hilton, where you have the privilege of staying the night for a total of 330 US dollars, if you so choose. I stayed the night here a couple of years ago. Actually, at the time they were doing construction on the Waldorf Astoria, which 
now exists and is totally unnecessary. But this property, which is right across the street from the peninsula, was where the queen herself, Whitney Houston, passed away on February 11th, uh, 2012 in room 434. You cannot stay in this room anymore. I'm not sure if you ever could following her death. I actually asked about it probably in 2014 and it was not available at that time. So I'm sure it hasn't been available since then. In addition to being the location of that notorious event, this is where they hold the Golden Globes every year where celebrities get boozed up on champagne and smart cocktails while participating in an award show that feels like it's not going to be around for that much longer. Merv Griffin owned the property for a couple of decades. This is also where one-time Democratic presidential candidate John Edwards was basically caught attempting to visit his mistress, Rial Hunter. The Beverly Hilton is the type of place that you would assume Roger Sterling and the higher-ups at Mad Men would stay on trips out to Los Angeles if they had the option. It has been around since 1955, so maybe they did. I could totally see them sipping a $16 margarita poolside at Trader Vic's. In fact, I just looked. They actually did film an episode of Mad Men on the property. So, indeed, my instincts were correct. But it is in the 90,210 as uh, Siri tells me, or 90210, as others say, where a lot of these notorious hotels happen to find themselves. So if you don't want to drop the 800 plus to stay the night at the peninsula, you have the option of the Beverly Hilton, where our queen, Whitney Houston, passed away in 2012. Number two, the Joshua Tree Inn, uh, surprisingly located adjacent to Joshua Tree National Park. If you so desire, you have the opportunity to stay at this dynamic place of lodging for $265, but there is a two-night minimum, so that total reflects a two-night stay as opposed to one. It was here... In 1973, that Graham Parsons, most famously known to the world from his work with the Flying Burrito Boys, passed away on September 19th. Now, Graham Parsons isn't quite the linchpin of pop culture that Whitney Houston is, and Michael Jackson, these kind of individuals, but he has a rabid following who flock to Spotify and Apple Music to listen to his country-inspired rock and roll. The guy had heart. You can't deny that. He sang with the spirit of a man twice his age. He was only weeks away from his 27th birthday at the time of his passing. Yes, he just narrowly avoided being included in that most notorious of clubs, the 27 Club. This 
place does not have great Yelp reviews. Uh, I invite you to read a few of them for yourself, but merely because of its location, and now its infamy and place within the pop culture lexicon, the Joshua Tree Inn still definitely exists, and you can definitely stay in room number eight where Graham Parsons passed if you would like for a comedy club style, a two-night minimum for 265 American dollars. At number one, a place that, frankly, I've been dying to talk about since we launched the podcast. And I should note, I try not to duplicate points that I've already made on episodes. So I wanted to find the right topic where I could include this particular place. And uh, I feel like it's deserving of the number one spot on this list. And that is, of course, the Chateau Marmont. This being West Hollywood's most famous property. And you can stay the night here for the grand total of $475, if you would like. For it was here... In March of 1982, that beloved comedian, actor, entertainer, John Belushi passed away of a speedball in Bungalow 3 at the age of 33. This is also the setting for Sofia Coppola's 2010 borderline masterpiece Somewhere, starring Stephen Dorff and a young Elle Fanning, as well as having been featured in Oliver Stone's The Doors because it was where Jim Morrison of The Actual Doors stayed in real life in the 1960s. It is glimpsed briefly in the Bradley Cooper version of A Star is Born, the movie Four Rooms, Maps to the Stars, Brett Easton Ellis's misguided The Canyons. I would argue it's the most famous hotel in Los Angeles and maybe the West Coast. You could definitely make that contention. It's been around since the 30s, having first been built as a kind of an apartment complex type of situation. And over time, it became a gathering place for the entertainment industry's most notable luminaries. They've all stayed there. All the stories you'd imagine associated with a place like this. They've all taken place there. You can certainly read about all the rumors and supposed trysts that have gone down inside of the hallowed walls. The Chateau Marmont is actually a really phenomenal place. It's maybe the coolest hotel that I've ever stayed in, and I would highly recommend it to anybody interested in stepping back a bit in time, or even those looking to celebrate the current entertainment industry landmark. This is the place to tap into all of those desires, interests, etc., etc., Yeah, stay at the Chateau Marmont if you are remotely curious about any of this type of stuff. And with that, we want to thank everyone for listening uh, to this week's episode. 
We do appreciate you writing to us. I'll go ahead and give you the email address. It's livinginthesprawlpodcast at gmail.com. Please write us with any uh, questions, comments, suggestions for possible uh, episodes that you'd like to hear us discuss. The Instagram handle is livinginthesprawlpodcast. Check out our website for related photographs and information. On behalf of my lovely and talented producer slash fiance, Lisa Lowe, my name is John Steinberg, your humble correspondent and host, thanking you for supporting us, listening to the show, and tuning in for another episode of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. See you next time.